your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. I hope you all had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Um, just a great time to be a Pittsburgh sports fan, especially with the Steelers going 5-0. and Be sure to check out Locked On Steelers with Chris Carter. He does an excellent job over there. And also, Virginia Tech football was able to get to 3-1. and My Hokies stomped Boston College. Pretty good, but uh, before that stuff happened, we did have some news that came out this past weekend with the Penguins, and yes, everyone, Cody CC is now a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I want to vomit after saying that again. Um, we there all the memes are going around about these last couple of weeks. Oh my God, the Penguins are totally going to sign Cody CC now that Jack Johnson's gone, and you know everyone just kept tweeting about it. And then yes, I think Jim Rutherford definitely read Penguins Twitter that everyone did not want Cody CC, and he was like, you know what, I'm just going to sign Cody CC just to piss everyone off. And yeah, he definitely pissed everyone off. CC gets a one year deal worth 1.25 million for just one season. We're going to go over all the angles about. In this segment, before going into the next segment, there's been some uh, a leak about a potential third jersey for the Penguins next season with the diagonal Pittsburgh making its return, though the rest of the jersey looks like it's pretty dog shit. So we're going to talk about that in the next in the next segment. And then the final segment is going to be a little bit of a tribute to Mike Doc Emmerich, who, of course, announced his retirement earlier this morning. But let's get back to Cody CC. I mean, I don't know what Jim Rutherford sees here. I don't really care that it's a one-year deal, $1.25 million. If he sucks, you can put him in the press box. That's, I think, the good part about this deal, if there is a good part. I mean, this is not like a Jack Johnson situation where you're paying him $3.25 million per season to play him in your top four for a bunch and then realize that he's so bad you have to play him in the bottom six. And then, oh yeah, he's giving you sub-replacement level results because they were never going to bench him. They just didn't want to put $3.25 million in the press box every single night. But also... They double down and triple down on him, and that's the hill they died on. I don't think they will be doing that here with Cody Cece. Why would you just double down and triple down on a player who you signed for one year, $1.25 million, and just talk him up like he's the second coming of Jesus when he just makes that little money? I mean, this is a pure bottom-pairing defenseman. You are not going to be playing him in your top four. You have Chris Letang on your top pairing, John Marino on your second pairing, and then Cece would be on the third pairing. Um, if he beats out Chad Riedel, that's the big thing here as well, guys. I'm hoping Riedel beats him out so CC doesn't really get a lot of playing time. But I think knowing Mike Sullivan and Jim Rutherford at this point, CC is going to get a lot of playing time here. I mean, that's just the reality of this situation. A lot of times, everyone, the third pairing is going to be Mike Matheson and Cody CC. It's not that good of a third pairing. I think it's better than Jack Johnson and Justin Schultz. But by how much? I mean, you're paying Mike Matheson. $4.8 million for the next however many years. You have CC back there. I mean, that's close to $6 million for your third pairing. It's not as bad as the last one, which I think you were paying almost 8 to $9 million for your third pairing. But still, I mean, I don't understand why you couldn't just roll in with Chad Ruedel. I mean, I think Trevor Van Reevesdyke was also out there and before he got snatched up. That would have been a perfectly fine addition. I've talked about Troy Stetcher on this podcast many times. I mean, Doug, who came on the podcast last week, talked about Justin Hole, who the Penguins could trade for from Toronto. I just really don't understand why they had to settle for Cody Cece here. He does not really bring 
anything to the table, especially offensively. I mean, the puck dies on his stick. I think Dmitry Filipovich basically put, uh, it was like a replay back out of the series against Columbus, and they passed the puck to CeCe, wide open, like net in front of him, like the goaltender's right there, shoots it like 50 feet wide of the net, and it's like, oh my god. Can't, can't wait to see that happen with uh, CC in a Penguins uniform. But, I mean, his, his offensive numbers are just not very good at all, like I said. He doesn't drive possession defensively. He's not that good. He just really can't get the puck out of his own zone. He's not good moving the puck into the offensive zone. It's just a very, very puzzling signing, I would say. And Jim Rutherford, of course, has to talk him out. Yeah, he fits our system well. And it's like, Jim, I really don't think he fits your system at all. I mean, you guys want to be speed and skill. You want defensemen that can move the puck and are can be active in the offensive zone. He's not like that. That's just not who Cody Cece is at this point in his career. And by signing him, it just like makes your defense worse. So I really don't understand why they had to do this. And now you're just wasting more cap space on just not so good players. You know, Sean Gentile wrote in The Athletic this past weekend with Rob Rossi. They just had like a big roundtable reaction to the signing. And Sean basically hit the nail on the head here. I'm just going to read you guys this paragraph. A win now club that's now using almost $5 million in cap space on Jack Johnson, Cody Cece, Nick Bukestad. You throw in Yusuf Rikula's contract and you're around $6 million on two guys who aren't even here anymore in Bukestad and Johnson. Another in Rikula who the coach seems to have no use for and another who probably makes you worse than a cheaper in-house replacement you can do a whole lot with six million a whole lot and he's absolutely right you could sign taylor hall if you wanted to you could have went out and signed craig smith and jesper faust if you wanted to with the contracts they had craig smith 3.1 jesper faust 2 that's 5.1 million for two really good players that would remake your third line but instead you have to eat have the Bukestad salary. You had to buy out Johnson because no one wanted his corpse. You still don't even know why they had to sign Johnson in the first place. You're paying Cody Cece to play for your team when he's not good. And then you have Yuso Rikula resigned for a million, and he's not even going to be hitting the ice probably next season if the Penguins' defense is fully healthy for the entire season. So it's just... Jim Rutherford continues to just take L after L after L. I mean, I'm at the point now where my grade for his offseason is down to like almost a D. I'm at a C minus right now. You can easily make a case for an F. I mean, if you said that to me, I wouldn't care. I mean, I wouldn't hurt blame you for saying that. I mean, like I said, for me, it's around a C minus a D right now. It's just not been that good. I really don't understand what he's doing with this. I still think they're a better team right now than they were after the series against Montreal. But I mean signing Cody Cece. I mean, I know there's not a lot of other options available right now. I mean, Travis Hamannick, I mean, even would be a better option, but would he be taking a million or something for one year? Who knows? He also may not want to leave the West Coast because I think he has a lot of family out there. I think Rutherford actually said uh, to the media, or it was in the press release when they signed, they're like, yeah, CeCe's kind of a guy that, you know, we were like kind of waiting to sign, or, you know, he was one of those guys that went under the radar. It's like, yeah, he went under the radar because he sucks. <laughs> he does not bring anything to your lineup. You can play Chad Ruido, and he makes 700 k a year, and he is better defensively, and he's better offensively, and can actually move the puck up the ice. And let's be real, guys. Cody Cece is not worse than Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson is probably 100 times worse than Cece, but Cece is still not a good player. I mean, he was never a good player in Ottawa. Even in Toronto last year, I think they were playing him way too much during their games. I think he was getting like 20 minutes a night with Morgan Riley, so that's ridiculous. I think in a best-case scenario for them, they're going to try to play him 10 to 12 minutes a night. If Todd Reardon can somehow work magic for him defensively and make him at least serviceable, that would be the best case scenario. I mean, we saw what that happened maybe with Eric Goodbranson when he had a really good tenure with the Penguins, especially in the playoffs where he was actually looking like he could carry the puck up the ice. 
Like I said, that's best case scenario. I don't think it's likely that it's going to happen. But at the end of the day, it is a one-year term. It's $1.25 million, but I still wouldn't have done it. It's still a bad signing. And also, you can stick him to the bench if need be. I really don't think Mike Sullivan is going to hesitate uh, to put CC on the bench if he can if he struggles badly. It's not going to be like a Jack Johnson situation where he's just going to continue to play and just basically fuck that chicken to his grave. Apologies for the language, but that's basically what he did with Johnson. But those are my thoughts on it. You know, just a terrible signing, even though it's only one year and one point two million. And you know, hopefully Chad Ruiz will beat him out because if he does, the defense looks a lot better going into next season. But before we do get to our next segment where we can talk about this new uh, Penguin jersey potentially for next season, it is time to talk about Bill Bar. There's 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, a couple of them, lemon, almond, cheesecake, carrot cake, apple, almond, crisp. They still have the 12 original flavors, double chocolate, orange, toffee, almond, coconut, mint, brownie, banana bread, or just a few. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, and high protein and high fiber. One of my favorite flavors is still the peanut butter one, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. They've reset the promo code for this relaunch. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of Locked On Penguins Podcast. So earlier today, looks like there's going to be like a new jersey, I think, for a lot of teams going into next season. It's like a reverse retro jerseys. They've been leaked by an eBay seller. So if this is real, and I'm not really sure if it is. I think it was leaked by an Indonesian eBay seller. I'm watching on the website right now, Aesthetics. They do a great job with this stuff. Basically, if this were real, they would be bringing back the diagonal Pittsburgh jerseys, but it's in white. And to me, guys, that's a hard pass. I much prefer them in black. We all know, we've all seen the Snoop Dogg video if you're a Penguins fan and just him riding on the bicycle and it's just absolutely gorgeous. But these would be in white. The diagonal Pittsburgh is still badass. But And then at the kind of on each side of the jersey, there's the Penguin logo. And it's just a regular Penguin logo from like, of course, when Sidney Crosby came into the league. You've seen that one on his jersey for the last 15 years. And I would have preferred to see the Robo Penguin on there. I miss that one a lot. You could have put that one on the shoulder crest and had the diagonal Pittsburgh. I think that would have been absolutely badass. But, I mean, I just really, you got to put it in white. I just don't get it. You know, put put it in black. That That's how it just looks so much better that way. That's the authentic version of it. You really don't need to have it in white. I've seen a lot of reactions already. A lot of Penguins fans from my Twitter that I follow don't seem to be too happy about it. I've retweeted onto my Twitter to add a couple of my thoughts as well. And basically, according to Aesthetics, this is like a fourth jersey. It's been described to them as throwbacks with a twist. They said they've been told that they will be part of a line called the Reversed Retro Series, and these new designs fit that bill. So I guess because it was in black, they're just going to reverse it and put it in white. Again, I don't really think anyone asked for that, though. And I also, Adidas, I think, has apparently designed these. Well, you know, that makes sense because Adidas is really not good designing any NHL jerseys, if you ask me. But you can easily see why it's the reverse retro. Like I said, white, black. But, I mean, I really don't even understand why you need to do a reverse retro anyway. Just bring the retro one back, the regular one, and 
Just do it. I mean, it's really not that hard. Just bring back the black diagonal Pittsburgh jersey. And oh yeah, it would make a lot of money. People would pay out of their asses to get that kind of jersey. It would be that freaking good. And I know some people would say, oh yeah, like it's a ripoff of the New York Rangers. We don't want to be like the New York Rangers. I don't give a shit about that. I really, really don't. You want to say it's a ripoff of the New York Rangers? Cool. You know what? Have that. It's still a gorgeous jersey. So many people would buy it. And I think at some point, it's going to be time to bring back the Robo Penguin. They got to bring it back at some point. A lot of people loved it. I know a lot of people don't like it as well. I'm personally in the fan of it. I think it's one of their better jerseys. And oh yeah, you better believe that that would sell a lot of jerseys as well. I mean, I definitely believe that. But I guess to wrap this up, I mean, I'm not really surprised the NHL or, or the Adidas is doing these little reverse retro things. It's on brand for them. I would have just preferred that they would have brought back the original one and just make it maybe a little bit different. You know, just have the diagonal Pittsburgh one and put the Robo Penguin on each side of the crest on the shoulder. And that's it. That's all you need to do. Everyone, I think, will be pretty happy with that. For the people that don't like the diagonal Pittsburgh and the black jerseys, um, you people are weird and you have bad takes probably about everything. So that's all I think I'll say about that. And before we do get to the next segment, it's going to be a shorter episode today. Um, Cody CC, his number is going to be number four, according to the Pittsburgh Penguins Twitter account. So he's going to channel his inner Justin Schultz from last season, probably, and just stink in both zones. I just, I'm never going to get tired of trashing Cody CC. But hey, if he ends up playing well, I'll eat all the crow. And I'm sure a lot of people that have been analyzing the signing, you know, when it comes to, you know, Chad, Jesse Marshall, Josh Yowie, Rob Rossi, Sean Gentile, all the people from Penguins Twitter that are trashing it. I'm sure they would all eat crow too if he does end up playing well and looks like Eric Branson for like half a season where, you know, played good defensively. His possession was very good. And offensively, he was actually scoring, which, you know, he was really never doing in his career prior to coming to Pittsburgh. So we'll see. CC's still 26, but, you know, that's all I'll say about that. And coming up in the next segment, we'll do a little bit of a tribute to Mike Doc Emmerich, who announced his retirement today. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. So, yeah, definitely a very big surprise, you know, waking up this morning at around 8 a.m. and seeing that New York Post article. Um, I can't remember the author's name um, who wrote it. I think it came out around 6 a.m., you know, that Doc Emmerich was announcing his retirement after 50 years of calling NHL games. His replacement, I'm guessing, is going to be Kenny Albert. I would go John Forslund because I don't think Forslund was... I, I, was he fired from Carolina? I'm not honestly sure, but I know he's not there anymore. I don't, I definitely don't, I know they didn't renew his contract, but I wasn't sure if he was fired or not. That's, so that's a big loss for the Hurricanes um, regional network there. As, as I think Forslin is one of the best announcers in hockey and he should be replacing Doc Emmerich. But like I said, really wouldn't be surprised if it's Kenny Albert. I think he's a great announcer too. You really can't go wrong with either one, but I would still lean Forslin. But you know, just keep Brian Boucher with the number one team, kick Pierre Maguire down to the number two list, or, you know, just get rid of Pierre Maguire altogether because ESPN is going to be coming for part of those um, NHL rights. I think this is the last season of NBC's deal as the rights holder with the NHL. That, that's going to be a very interesting topic to talk about as we get into next year. I'll be talking about this on my podcast. ESPN, I think, is going to make a run to get these rights back and, you know, bring Gary Thorne back. Uh, a lot of you would be signed up for that. I mean, you have the show with potentially John Butchergrass. Linda Cohn. I mean, you can bring on other people. I mean, I, I think Fox may be potentially looking at getting the NHL rights, but you know, that's, that's a discussion for the day. Let's just get to uh, Doc Emmerich. Um, he's easily in my top three hockey announcers of all time. He's probably in my top two, if we're being honest here, you know, up with Mike Lang, who of course is just a godsend as well. And, you know, I, I tweeted this morning 
and I'll add a story to it afterwards. You know, I said one of the best things about Doc calling the sport was that someone could be watching for the first time and he could hook them right in and have them understand the game. It's just not going to be the same. And, you know, my backstory from that is, yeah, I remember my uncle finally tuned in to a hockey game for the first time in 2016, first time in probably like 30 years. And it was the 2016 Stanley Cup final with the Penguins and the Sharks. And he said when he heard Doc Emmerich's voice and just how he was explaining the game, he felt like after each game he understood the sport more and more. And that was, like I said, that was the first time he watched hockey in 20 to 30 years since, I mean, he grew up a Rangers fan back in like the 80s and all that. So, you know, so, you know, like that's just the power that Doc had, just his way to explain the game to newcomers who had never watched the sport before or who had never watched the sport for 20 to 30 years. And then they could just come in and listen to him just talk about the game. It's second to none. And I know a lot of people watched hockey games that just wanted to hear Doc. I mean, like I said, my uncle was one of them. So, I mean, I'm going to miss hearing his calls. I mean, you know, the, the, the Chris Kunitz one was just unreal. The one that sent the Penguins to the Stanley Cup final in 2017. That was just a peak Doc Emmerich moment. You've all seen the Adam Henrique one, the, the Max Talbot ones from 2009. And, you know, but most, most of all, he just seemed like such a genuine, kind, caring person. You know, reading these stories on Twitter today, it was absolutely awesome to see just how great of a human Doc was. I think Josh Yoey posted this um, on his Twitter today. I'm trying to load up the tweet right now. Okay, just got it. You know, he said he mailed a pirate's mask to Doc Emmerich this summer, and he wrote a letter back to him basically saying, so good of you to send this mask. Bucks open in St. Louis. God help us. And then he finishes, please send on to the mask, mask craftsman as ever, Doc. That is a legendary signature closing line. As ever, Doc. Like, I've honestly never seen someone say as ever and then put their name but you know doc was just that way he's just a great human being i know i'll probably never get the chance to meet him i will always wish that i would have a chance to meet him but you know i'll also miss from those broadcasts you know that those legendary pirates references even when the pirates were so bad because of course he's a diehard pirates fan he would always sneak in a pirates reference during every broadcast especially when he's broadcasting in pittsburgh in the stream in the spring because the pirates are just starting off their season in april penguins usually play well into June. I mean, of course, they did in 2016 and 17. So whenever he was calling the Eastern Conference Finals or the Stanley Cup Final during those two years, every broadcast you hear a Pirates reference, and it was just brilliant. And of course, I mean, how can I forget just all the verbs that he would use to just describe what's going on in the sport, you know, with moving the puck off the ice, you know, a word like skittered is one he would use virtually all the time, pitchforked up the ice. I mean, Kareed is another one, collared he would use all the time galloped, drubbed. I mean, I could go on forever. It just, all the verbs that he would use to describe what's going on in the sport was just outstanding. There's never going to be another Doc Emmerich. Like I said, one of the two best hockey announcers, in my opinion, of all time. It's a massive loss for NBC. It's a massive loss for the sport. It's just not going to be the same hearing games on NBC without him, hearing the Stanley Cup presentation without him. All of it, you know, it's a very sad day for the sport, but you know, what a career he had, 50 years calling games, and I'm going to miss him quite a lot. So I think on that note, we'll end this episode of Locked on Penguins podcast. I know it was a bit short, but we'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you guys have a great rest of your night. Have fun watching some Monday Night Football. There's the Mandalorian trailer coming out tonight for Star Wars. If you guys are big Star Wars fans, I think it's the second trailer that they're doing. So stay tuned for that. And have a great rest of your night, and I will talk to you all tomorrow.